podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. Continuing with our World Cup Digest covering latest matches and news, today we're going to cover matches number 18, 19, 20, and 21 uh, that was played between uh, India and New Zealand, England and West Indies, Australia and Sri Lanka, and Afghanistan and uh, South Africa, respectively. Let me welcome my co-host Ajit so we can start discussing this. Hello, Ajit. Hi, Giri. Well, um, it's good. Mm-hmm. They are doing well as well. Uh, have had an interesting uh, weekend so far. Uh, mm-hmm. We just uh, started with our uh, yearly summer cricket tournament here uh, in my uh, place of residence. Um, so we had a good game, actually. I, I got to play a game today, uh, yeah. a 10-over match, actually. Okay. Um, so we considered some runs. Uh, we bowled first and considered some runs, but in the end, our batters did really well and uh, finished the job in uh, under under eight overs. So we chased down a target of 81 runs. So it was a good game to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was mostly doing wicket keeping, uh, and right. just before we started uh, bowling, it it rained a bit, so the mm-hmm. pitch actually quickened a lot. Uh, and we play with uh, an indoor leather ball. I think you know what I mean. Indoor cricket yes. ball. Yeah. And uh, it was nipping off the pitch. It was wonderful. And the ball was hitting my gloves really hard. We have some very good pacers in our uh, in our uh, team. So mm-hmm. it was a good game to start. So it's something different. Uh, you know, we talk about cricket a lot uh, behind a microphone. At least me. You. I know you play uh, club cricket. So okay. this is a welcome uh, change for me. No, I mean, uh, look, uh, we call ourselves the Armchair Cricket Podcast after all. So what we offer is mostly an armchair critics perspective, but it definitely helps if you're also able to go out there and get some game time, right? Yeah, for sure. So, And in the spirit of a Cricket World Cup that is currently mm-hmm. being played, mm-hmm. it's very nice that everybody is playing and, you know, more, pe- more and more people are also going out there, also being summer, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. We and have 14 of course, teams uh, having rain is a yeah 14 teams yeah we God, have 14 right? teams oh. and uh, yeah we play across two weekends so today uh-huh. was one of those days uh, tomorrow I think we could have played but we have we are skipping tomorrow because we have an India Pakistan match right at Old Trafford tomorrow mm-hmm. um, and the next weekend we'll have the next group next uh, stage of group matches and then the following Sunday will be uh, semi-finals and finals so. A lot of cricket in the next couple of weekends, as well as the next few days, I have to say. Uh, so interesting times ahead. Did you play cricket today, by the way? Uh, uh, no, man, I couldn't. I mean, it was a good day, of course. I spent most of it outdoors. But, well, I mean, uh, tomorrow, luckily, we don't have a game scheduled. So I'm very happy to mm-hmm. you know stay back and await the action between India and Pakistan. Yeah. Right. Before that... Let's look at the other games that have gone on in the previous couple of days, right? Mm-hmm. So first of all was the World Cup match number 18 between India and New Zealand. That was completely washed out without even a toss. This was at Trent Bridge in Nottingham. Mm-hmm. Giri, you were saying something about the ground coverage during the rain yeah. delays. Well, actually, you know, uh, before the toss, I was watching this uh, preview done by uh, panelists like uh, Brian Lara and all these guys. I, I I think I also saw there Kevin Peterson, I think who happens to be more of a local person. I think he played a lot of cricket at Trent Bridge. And right. the moment he saw the pictures outside, uh, he, he was, of course, in the studio. But when he saw the pictures and then saw some rain in the air, he mm-hmm. said it's going to rain a lot more. Uh, and he predicted that the match would be a washout, which turned out right. to be the case, unfortunately. Uh, mm-hmm. The strange thing here uh, in England uh, is that you know, they, they cover the pitch, of course, when it's raining or when there is a rain delay. Right. But they also cover uh, the square, basically, the practice pitches along the square, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't cover the outfield as much as they do. In, For example, uh, let's say in Eden Gardens. I saw a picture of Eden Gardens when it's raining there mm-hmm. in uh, in uh, in the subcontinent especially. I know that it rains very, very hard 
uh, it pours really it doesn't rain it pours in fact but people manage to cover the whole ground including the outfield infield and the outfield completely right um, which they don't seem to do in england i think the main concern uh, before you know going for a toss uh, was that i saw the uh, the umpire speak paul rifle and uh, maria erasmus the mm-hmm. main concern erasmus maria erasmus had was about the outfield and he was worried that we are still in the early, you know uh, earlier part of the tournament and um, he was worried about people getting injured uh, on the mm-hmm. outfield and that was his main concern i think that's a fair uh, concern as well uh, but I mean, I, I mean, I have to question the wisdom of ICC here or even the organizers of not having to cover uh, the whole ground. I, I think it's probably uh, not that big an effort in terms of cost because they're organizing such a big tournament. So it should be possible to make some adjustments there. Mm-hmm. Um, so and we've have we've lost we had lost three matches due to rain uh, interruptions already before this. And this is the fourth match. And as it happens, it's probably uh, the only world cup where we have lost so many matches already and Indeed. not even been there halfway uh, through the tournament right so so i mean i don't know i mean maybe they should think of better uh, measures uh, to tackle this or even have a reserve day i think the reserve day is probably also a bit of a logistical nightmare because they have to arrange tickets uh, and they have to make sure and and also the other thing is every day we have cricket played right mm-hmm. so even if you have a reserve day and you play cricket today's match tomorrow uh, it's going to be it's going to clash with the other game that's actually planned to be played uh, on the following day which means uh-huh. the viewership will be split uh, so we have all kinds of uh, issues there so um, i think icc will do something but i don't know if it if it will do something uh, in the short run well a couple of couple of points to address there first of all look uh, the rain that we see on a day to day or a monthly basis in a place like netherlands or england is far different from what you see in a tropical or a semi tropical place like sri lanka or south of india or you know even calcutta right so probably they don't have to cover that much of the ground and uh, you know loss of time in cricket due to rain is a very normal thing it's been it's been a part and parcel of cricket for already more than 100 years right this is how it's always played mm. but you know um, given that it's a world cup i can understand that uh, people would not want to lose time due mm-hmm. to rain but at the end of the day it has to also be understood that, th- that there are nine matches that each team gets to play mm-hmm. and well i mean one or two matches lost to rain is I, while it's not ideal from a you know a production perspective or a spectator perspective it's still okay as far as the teams are concerned right mm-hmm. so yes indeed as of as of match number 18 rain was the Mm-hmm. Uh, highest let's say point scorer mm-hmm. because it had four complete matches for itself so that's eight points right so that's a bit weird but i mean look playing in england and sometimes summer can be wet right it's a known thing and as a result uh, it's something you can sort of get used to and move on mm-hmm. only thing indeed that four matches lost is a bit unexpected i think the icc claims this is a unusually heavy part of mm-hmm. uh, rain for a summer uh, early summer but well it remains to be seen how it goes right yeah and uh, wow. the other point kp made uh, mm. in that uh, panelist show was that um, english summer is usually drier uh, mm-hmm. in the latter part of uh, the summer so you can say end of july onwards it mm-hmm. becomes much drier and the sun shines out a lot more uh, so that would be a better time to organize such uh, events like world cup uh, so maybe icc should do something i think the 99 world cup was in fact played well through may i think uh, may had a lot of matches the month of mm-hmm. may. so they've moved it one month further uh, they they're playing now in june maybe they should think about it uh, the next time they play here i think there is another concern there because uh, playing the matches in may means that the bowlers would be heavier than the batsmen let's say in mm-hmm. the in terms of how the results are coming through probably bowling team uh, or the bowlers will have a heavier say right mm-hmm. and this is something probably the current setup does not like it because they like matches to go as far as possible into the last over or the last quarter or the last five overs or whatever right mm-hmm. so yeah if you remember how the 99 world cup went this is a longer discussion so let's wind it up quicker but uh, you can see that a lot of matches were probably very shortened because of you know good bowling performances as a result 
mm-hmm. uh, the bowling teams being heavy right mm-hmm. so maybe the new um, let's say the new management in icc has also the new marketing teams don't probably want this because they want to make sure that all the advertisers all the people get their uh, money's worth right mm-hmm. so that there's also a bit of shift there and also look they have made us something um, weird the choice they have made is to have ashes also in the same summer it was after all an ashes summer anyway to begin with right mm-hmm. so as a result to accommodate both the world cup had to be played in this time because ashes uh, you know you don't want to make any mistakes there with white uh, full tests coming up and so on so and they will play well into um, september but still you know it's not so easy to organize both so it's a longer discussion for me so yeah. but nonetheless some matches are lost it's not nice but uh, i think we'll live through it as uh, expected us that's my opinion yeah the the only final question and, and i'll wind up after this is that you know we have people traveling from across the world to see these matches to watch these matches uh, in the ground right people mm-hmm. traveling from india or in the middle east or even us i i think right. i read some comments on the internet that people were traveling from all over the world and they paid a lot of money to just to travel there and also uh, an exorbitant amount of money to you know get tickets because the tickets were also sold out very quickly and if it were uh-huh. to happen tomorrow in tomorrow's match uh, between india and pakistan uh, at old trafford and whether will is going to play a part tomorrow because we've seen the prediction how it's going to look we'll talk about it in a bit so it's it's also not good for the spectators right so they have to think about these things i think uh, i know rain and cricket go hand in hand sometimes in uh, england during mm-hmm. the english summer but they have to think about it in the long run i think this, this can't go on because the economy part of it is also very important people are paying a lot of money to uh, come and watch the games right indeed indeed i think there will be something done there'll be some mm-hmm. fix brought in i'm sure right yeah let's hope so all right so we look at the next match uh, that was indeed uh, played between uh, england and west indies indeed yeah so this was played at uh, southampton ags bowl Mm-hmm. Uh, between uh, exactly England and West Indies, uh, England won the toss and uh, decided to bat first. Oh, sorry, field first. In fact, um, so this was a much-awaited uh, uh, contest between uh, bat and ball, especially Chris Gale and uh, Jofra Archer, and we had a good contest uh, in that match. Uh, Chris Gale uh, blocked a few deliveries and then he started going after the bowling. i think after the 15th or 16th delivery he faced he started uh, swinging his bat and he was lucky he got some boundaries and also hit a beautiful six before he was dismissed for 36 um mm-hmm. 41 deliveries which contained uh, five fours and one six um but before that uh, evan lewis the other opener from west indies he was bowled off a beautiful yorker from uh, chris wokes for two runs and then shay hope uh, made 11 runs he got out very quickly to uh, a beautiful inswinger from uh, mark wood which was mm-hmm. uh, uh, overturned on review i think it was given not out on field uh, and uh, mark wood was adamant it was out i think it was overturned by the uh, third umpire in the end it was a good decision um mm-hmm. and uh, nicolas puran and uh, shimran hetmeyer got together and tried to stabilize the, the you know batting with a good partnership between them uh just short of 100 runs i have to say i think 90 runs um before hetmeyer got out uh, to joe root of all people uh, it was mm. a very soft dismissal uh, cotton bold uh, when right. hetmeyer was out he was uh, he was on 39 of 48 deliveries he tried to go after the bowling in the initial part of his innings but i think he contained himself later uh, for the bigger cause um so he got out for 39 runs and then jason holder walked in uh, he also played a bit he, but he got out for nine runs again of uh, joe root cotton bold of a leading edge uh, for nine runs and then um, andre russell walked in he looked like mm-hmm. he was playing a t20 match <laughs> like Very he always much. does right uh, so he was swinging his bat uh, england tested him with a lot of short pitch deliveries and uh, he hold out to one such delivery you know to uh, chris wokes i right. think he probably had dropped uh, under russell uh, a few balls earlier chris wokes had dropped uh, russell but this time he right. had the catch uh, and russell was out for 21 runs of 16 deliveries which uh, had two sixes and uh, one four uh, and then um, after that 
Nicholas Puran was dismissed by uh, Jofra Archer. Uh, he got out, caught behind. Um, uh, for 63 runs, he was the mainstay of this uh, whole batting lineup. Uh, he mm, had mm. three fours and one six of 70 deliveries. A very patient innings for a guy like Nick Puran. Good uh, that he played that much. I think otherwise West Indies would have lost all their wickets much earlier because he was holding and tight. Um, right. And then followed the bowlers like Cottrell, O'Shane Thomas, and uh, Shannon Gabriel, uh, along with uh, Carlos Brathwaite. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cottrell and uh, Gabriel got out cheaply, in fact, for uh, Ducks. Uh, and uh, Brathwaite was the uh, last man to go off Archer. In the end, mm-hmm. West Indies managed 212 runs, uh, and they were bowled out within 45 overs. Um, for With the bowling, um, Chris Wokes was very good. Very uh, economical, five over 16 runs with two maidens and uh, a wicket of uh, even. Mm-hmm. Um, Liam Plunkett, five over 30 runs and a wicket. Mark Wood also very good, uh, 6.4 overs, 18 runs and three wickets. Ben Stokes bowled his four overs for 25 runs but couldn't pick up any wicket. Adil Rashid went for a few runs, uh, especially when uh, Russell was batting for 10 right. and 61 runs. Joe Root. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, surprisingly, picked up two wickets for 27 runs in his five hours. But Jofra Archer, um, as always, I think, his consistent performance yet again. Uh, nine overs, one made in 30 runs and uh, three wickets, which meant mm-hmm. England had a target of 213 runs. Um, Jason Roy was uh, actually injured while he was fielding um, during the West Indies uh, batting. So he walked off the field with a suspected hamstring injury. So he was out for, oh. I think, maybe 40 odd overs, which meant right. that uh, he couldn't bat up the order. So Joe Root was the makeshift opener, uh, which he has done in the past. I think he has opened uh, for England uh, right. in the past, as well as he has opened in the test uh, test arena as well. So him mm-hmm. and uh, Jim, Johnny Besto uh, played very well for an opening partnership, from, op, uh, opening partnership of uh, 95 runs. Uh, inside of 15 overs, when uh, Johnny Besto was dismissed uh, of Shannon Gabriel, trying to hook a delivery, I think, which went uh, straight up and uh, Brathwaite got it. Um, 45 runs of 46 deliveries, seven fours. And Chris Works was promoted up the order. Uh, another mm-hmm. reason, because Owen Morgan also seemed to have some kind of an issue with his either left groin or left hamstring. He was also off the field, so he was not allowed to bat earlier. So Chris mm. walked in surprisingly and then he batted really well with uh, Joe Root was still there right. uh, for 40 runs of uh, 54 deliveries which contained 4-4s four um, but he got out to uh, Gabriel again, Shannon Gabriel caught mm. um, and um, yeah, Ben Stokes uh, came out and then finished the job for England, uh, 10 runs of uh, 6 deliveries with 2-4s but the standout player was Joe Root who remained not out on 100 runs, yet another century for uh, Joe Root, of 94 deliveries, very fluent innings, I have to say, right. uh, which contained uh, 11 fours. The bowlers had a disappointing uh, you know, performance for West Indies. I think they didn't have a good, uh, big score to defend anyway, but they were bowling way too short, far too many times, sitting up nicely, uh, and uh, it was whacked by even Chris Wokes and uh, Joe Root while they were batting. So Cottrell, three overs, 17 runs, O'Shane Thomas, six overs, 43 runs. Shannon Gabriel was a pick of the bowlers with two wickets for 49 runs in his seven overs. Andre Russell bowled a couple of overs, after which he seemed to be in some kind of discomfort, walked off the field. I think he's probably injured again. I don't know what the extent of the injuries. Mm-hmm. 14 runs. Um, Jason Holder, 5.1 overs and 31 runs for uh, no wickets. Brathwaite in his five overs considered 35 runs, while uh, Chris Gale... Seemed to have a bit of fun. He seemed to be the only guy who was having a bit of fun for West Indies. Uh, he bowled five overs uh, for 22 runs uh, and uh, did not pick up a wicket. Um, so England chased down the target uh, of 213 runs in 33.1 overs. Uh, so they, they pick up a couple of points. Joe Root was the man of the match. And uh, mm-hmm. England have continued in their good form after the loss uh, to Pakistan. They, I think they bounced back and uh, played really well. In, the, in this match especially. Well, a uh, couple of interesting talking points there for me. The first thing being, Evan Lewis uh, and Chris Gale separated right at the top of the order by Chris Wokes who delivered a foolish ball and 
even Lewis played all around it, right? And then Shy Hope also could not last long. So it was always meant that Shy Hope and Chris Gale or Shy Hope and even Lewis would build the innings, mm. but that was not done. And then, you know, a lot of credit goes to the England faster bowlers, both Vokes and later also Plunkett and Wood, basically. Mm-hmm. Wood bowled a fantastic spell, 3 for 18, right? Mm-hmm. And along with Archer, of course, who 3 for 30 does not really show the impact he had in the match. But Puran and Hetmeyer did a good job of holding back. And then I think Hetmeyer was a bit unlucky to not uh, pick the right ball of Joe Root to hit. Because what I saw was Joe Root's spell was very underrated in this game, right? 5 hours 27 for 2. Because he bowled excellently. For example, the way he got holder out. So there was something nice to see there. In that over itself, he bowled a proper off break where he cocked his wrist. And mm. uh, holder picked that and hit him straight down the ground for a 6. About two balls later, he delivered a similar ball. But this time, his wrist was straight and his, let's say he was delivering a seamer, more or less. So mm. this probably came on a bit sooner than what, um, let's say, Holder wanted. And it was also sort of drifting down the leg. So he was also caught and bowled. So that was completely unexpected. And that came out of nowhere because that double blow really hit West Indies hard. Because mm. at, you know, 3 for 144, just before the 30th over, they were in good shape. West Indies, you know, they have hitters down the order. All they have to do is build a platform and then the hitters can take over who are two, all T20 specialists, right? But the double blow of Hetmeyer and Holder meant Russell, who, you know, sort of struggled at the crease and Puran had to first hold back, right? And Russell somehow did not look really comfortable. When he hit a six of Rashid, he hit a straight mm-hmm. six of Rashid and then he immediately clutched his ankle and fell over and he had to be given a bit of treatment. So mm-hmm. he never looked comfortable. So it was sort of expected that he would give his wicket away. He did that. Mm-hmm. So that basically meant, you know, this much wanted West Indian middle order was crumbling. And mm-hmm. Nicholas Puran did all he could to hold one end up. But there was not a lot that he could do. And even he was out, it was 7 for 202. And West Indian's tail did not do much there. Again, a lot of credit to Archer because Archer came back and took out Brathwaite, Cottrell. And along with Wood, they pulled a searingly fast spell. Also, even yeah. though I, I think by this stage Morgan was out. Ma- Morgan looks to have suffered a back spasm, is what I heard. Back, right? okay. Okay, that's right? horrible. So, I mean, he's also um, like a, frequently he's troubled by back problems. So, I think it's a, it's something they'll be very careful about, right? So, I read also later that they're very cautiously monitoring both Morgan and Roy as to how mm-hmm. they shape up in the upcoming days, right? So, when it came to batting, well, Bairstow and Root set up a solid platform and the sort of West Indies tried the same thing. They also have a battery of fast bowlers, right? For example, they brought in Shannon Gabriel in this match for, yeah. you know, the spinner. And as a result, they have a lot of firepower at their disposal and they tried to bounce England out. It did really didn't work. Mm. Both Bairstow and Root, they saw off the opening spell. They played very cautiously. But then once they got their eye in, they started to hit out, right? So... It was not a lot. And Chris Wokes, it was a good promotion if you look at it, right? So having lost two batsmen from their top four or five, they chose to promote the one guy who has a very, very classic technique. Yeah. Knowing that, you know, all you have to do is keep Joe Root company. They promoted the right guy. He played a right sort of a number three innings, I would say, because he just uh, rotated the single and gave the strike back to Joe Root, who was attacking. So at some point in time, I think some of the bowling Ocean Thomas uh, or Gabriel bowling to Jorut was a wonderful battle, right? Mm. It was almost test match like, but mm. Jorut trounced both of them. Yeah. And even though Shannon Gabriel took two wickets, it was at a very high cost. Yeah. And by the time Chris Gale was introduced, it was almost over. The back of the chase was long broken and uh, they, they were just having a bit of fun. And who else but the universe boss, right? To have the fun. Rightly, I would say Jorut was declared the man of the match. So one thing I noticed is, this is the second consecutive match where Moin Ali is not in the 11. Mm. So you see the balance of the 11 has shifted a little, mm. whereby Jorut performs the off-spinning duty. And mm. you have Adil Rashid who had an off day, but who was taken up by the hitters mm. from the West Indies middle order. So that's fine. So you have the balance changes a little because Jorut who can bat at three or four can also give you five, eight overs, right? Mm-hmm. Then there is also a likelihood that the left arm spinner may come into it. So, Moin Alim actually lose his place for the upcoming couple of matches. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's an interesting discussion point for me. But I think uh, they spoke to Moin Ali. One of the, the reporters spoke to Moin Ali. They said he was a bit zen about it. He was not really worried about it. But I think that guy is very zen. So he probably doesn't show much. But maybe, you know, if I were Moin Ali, I would be a bit worried. Because there is a high likelihood that this team balance is still shaping up beautifully. 
but he could also open for england right he is also a qualified opener i think he has done it a couple of times for england well i mean because roy is probably injured i don't know how he's how long he'll be off yeah 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 i mean if roy is out they would probably bring in um james wins who's also in the squad oh, as yes. a like for like replacement right mm. i think it's a very tantalizing prospect to have moinali open but i think i think this england lineup with the sort of thought process they have will probably not go for that mm-hmm. yeah right? mm-hmm. all right now if you were to move on let's look at the matches from today match number 20 and 21 so match number 20 was australia versus sri lanka so if you were to quickly look at the scores uh, this was played in uh, london so it was played at the oval right and uh, in this case sri lanka won the toss and elected to bowl first i think they were a bit worried about the rain and probably they chose to bowl first but rain completely stayed away and you know warner and finch started very sedately so the first couple of uh, exchanges between the sri lankan bowlers and finch almost did not indicate as if you know this was like played in a very comfortable pitch with an even bounce or something the sri lankan bowlers started really well malinga and pradeep um, their final analysis doesn't show that but they bowled very very miserly spells and warner was really out of rhythm and he scored a very unconvincing 26 of 40 balls and he was out trying to slog dhananjay de silva who by the way had an excellent spell he had a spell of 7 hours 20 for 2 before which i think uh, uh finch took a liking to him and his final over that he bowled went for 20 runs he still had a very creditable 8 hours 40 for 2 right and then finch made a wonderful 153 and a uh, bunch of batsmen kept in company so usman khwaja made only 10 but steven smith was the main guy with whom finch built a huge partnership so khwaja was dismissed at the score on 100 and this was still the 23rd over of the inning so if you can imagine nashay was just you know 95 for 1 after the 20 overs mark but then smith and finch really picked up the scoring rate and uh, smith made a 73 of just 59 balls glen maxwell was sent in at 5 and he provided a very good finish by scoring 46 of just 25 and then it was a bit weird to see sean marsh come in ahead of carry and pat cummins even though it was already well into the 42nd over or such at the 40th over it looked like finch and smith both may go on to make big scores so finch who already made a 153 of just 132 balls could probably go on to make a lot more because he was dismissed in the 43rd over and there was still enough time for him to probably get to a, a double hundred but also smith had a chance to get to 100 but both of them missed out and in the end i think sri lankan bowlers bowled really well because they again considered only 32 runs of the final five overs and took three wickets but the, you know the score was already rolling along with maxwell hitting some wonderful shots when we look at the bowling so malinga took one for 61 good restrictive bowling in the end and then nuan pradeep bore the brunt of the hitting and he went for 88 runs without any wickets isuro udana did the rest of the clever bowling at the end 2 for 57 uh, tisara pereira was used in the middle to late overs and 0 for 67 in 10 overs dhananjay de silva as i already said 2 for 40 of 8 overs and sirivardhana he took 2 for 17 right i think he was bought in in place of another pacer i'm sorry so he took 2 for 17 so lakmal was injured and he was brought in in place of lakmal so australia ended up with 334 for 7 which may have been 20 runs short of what they were capable of but it was still already a bridge too far and that's how it proved so sri lanka started really well with karuna ratna scoring 97 and pereira scoring 52 and basically karuna ratna was holding fort well until you know about 185 for 3 and they, it was still the 32nd over right so they were in good shape sri lanka but then once the initial partnership was finished and tirumanna was out sri lanka ran out of ideas again their middle order was completely ineffective mendis just made 30 matthews 9 uh, milinda sirivardhana 3 pereira 7 dhananjay de silva made 16 not out but the rest of the tail fell off so i think a lot of lot of blame now rests on matthews sirivardhana and especially pereira who you know having hit stark for a six in that very over went after him again and was just dismissed by skying a ball it was it was not very mature cricket there and also kusal mendes did not help himself when he was trying to chase a ball of stark and he was out so when it came to bowling stark took 4 for 55 so wonderful wonderful bowling effort there pat cummins was very restrictive he took 2 for 38 in nearly 8 overs and then berendorf was a bit costly he took 1 for 59 but he did his job very commendably and uh, kane richardson who's come into the squad in the last two matches has done a wonderful job he took 3 for 47 and glen maxwell finished a good spell of off spin bowling by taking no wickets but 10 overs for 46 runs right it was a one sided contest all in all and finch was the man of the match rightly 
So, Giri, any nice points you've spotted here that we can discuss? Yeah, the continuing failure of uh, Angelo Matthews, their prime batsman, right? I think uh, he's not been uh, doing so well in the recent past. He's just made a comeback into the team. I'm just looking at all the previous matches that he has played, you know, after he came back from his injury layoff. The last four matches, you know, mm-hmm. I think the first one was against Scotland on the 21st of May uh, last right. month. In fact, he scored one there. And the match against uh, New Zealand in this World Cup, he, wa- he got out for a duck. Mm-hmm. And the next match against Afghanistan at Cardiff, he again got out for a duck. And this match at the Oval uh, against Australia, he got out for nine. So he's not firing, unfortunately, for them. So I don't know what you call He's the bedrock of the batting and he has not been uh, doing mm-hmm. a good job for them, unfortunately. So I, I think if he can provide that stability in the upcoming matches, just hold fort and you know just be there till the end. Somebody has to take responsibility and uh, do that. Yeah, you're right. When it comes to Matthews, I really hope it's not a mental thing. Maybe, you know, he's not he's not made comfortable as certain seniors in certain South Asian teams feel near the end of their careers, even though God knows Matthews has a couple more years left. But maybe due to one reason or the other, maybe they feel that his time has run out or maybe as a senior pro, he doesn't gel well with the current leadership setup. I don't know really what is the problem, but I really hope he discovers form and a big score is around the corner for him. Otherwise, without him, Sri Lanka are completely sunk because this was a good example of how yeah. Matthews in the older day, old days would have just run the chase through with just, you know, standing and guiding guys like Dananjaya De Silva or Melinda Sirivardana or even Tisara Parera through and just batting till the end and winning the match for Sri Lanka. So they're really missing that. Yeah. The other thing is that, well, Marcus Toynis uh, is out in Jordan. He missed a second match in a row. He yeah. had a back strain. Side mm-hmm. strain, I think. Side but, strain, uh, yeah. but it looks like, you know, they're waiting to take a call on him until the next match against Bangladesh. But if he doesn't recover, probably he'll be replaced. Mm-hmm. Right. So also, as I was saying, um, the middle order, well, Pereira was, was very, very uncaring for what was going on around him, I think. Having hit a six, you don't try to do it again, especially knowing that there's a slide happening and you have to stay with Mendes, who's a, you know, a traditional batter. All you have to do is mm-hmm. give him company and you know you can hit a six later, right? You will, if you take the match into the last three to four hours, there is a high likelihood that you can win this. This is what people like Tony yeah. do really well. Yeah, right. take it deep, yeah. But the good thing for them was the opening partnership was good. I think that's they're firing at the top, Karuna Ratna and uh, Kusal, Kusal Pereira. Yeah. So let's hope they continue uh, their good run. And uh, I hope the middle order clicks for uh, Sri Lanka so that they can, you know, either defend a target or chase down a target or uh, set a good one. Because I think the middle order is the, the most fragile part at the moment. Indeed. Uh, now, if we were to go further, let's look at the other match, the day-night match of the day. This was played between Afghanistan and South Africa. Right. So in this match, well, it was also very one sided. It was rain affected, but it was still one sided because what happened is having won the toss, South Africa elected to field first. This was played at Cardiff. Right. So there, uh, Hasratullah Zazai and Noor Ali Sadran started off very sedately. So Hasratullah Zazai, for his standards, made a sedate 22 of 23 balls. But Rabada sorted him out. Noor Ali Sadran was looking okay. He made 32 of 58 balls, but he was bowled by Imran Tahir. Then the complete middle and lower middle order of Afghanistan were ineffective. So Rahmat Shah made only six, Hashmatul Shahidi eight. The returning Asghar Afghan, who returned from injury, mm-hmm. made a duck. Nabi made one, Ikram Ali Khil made nine, and Gulbadin Naib five. Then Rashid Khan showed a bit of steel. He made 35, the highest score in the innings, and mm-hmm. took Afghanistan beyond the 100 mark. Because at one point in time, it looked like they would be dismissed for 80 or 85. There was a rain break. So before the rain break, they looked comfortable they were two down for 60 odd or 55 58 odd it was okay but then once they came back from the rain i think south africa lifted their intensity so when you look at the bowling figures uh, rabada took one for 36 of eight buren hendricks who came in to the squad uh, in place of the injured lungi ingidi took uh, five hours uh, for 25 runs no wicket pelu was good he took two for 18 of eight chris morris was also equally good he took three for 13 of six and then the really the impactful bowler was uh, Imran Tahir, who took 4 for 29. And if I remember right, at some point in time, he had 3 for 5 or 3 for 7 or some such analysis, right? Of his first 3 or 4 hours. So he was bowling really well. In the end, he was hit for a few by Rashid Khan, but that really doesn't matter. So having to chase a very subpar total, South, uh, South Africa did it without much problems. So Quinter de Kock and Hashim Amla started off uh, sedately. And they took the score to about 60-65 in the 16th over or so, before which 
Quinton de Kock started exploding. So he made 68 of 72. And Amla played a sheet anchor's role. He made 41 of 83 balls. And then Pelu Huayo was um, promoted of the order probably to get him some batting practice. Right. And he made 17 of 17 and they closed the match out. So Imran Tahir was rightly judged the man of the match. So Giri, uh, I think you were playing your cricket match probably. I don't know how much of this you were able to catch. None of it, unfortunately. Uh, right. By the time I was home, I think Afghanistan were bowled out. And then uh, I think by the time I finished my dinner, it was all done and dusted. So I just checked the scores in the end. Right. Uh, but it's, uh, I think Imran Tahir is now bowling really well. I think so is Chris Morris. Mm-hmm. I think he bowled mm-hmm. well also against India, to be honest. He yes. played well. Uh, he also batted well against India in uh-huh. the match that they lost. So Chris Morris is turning out to be a very good addition to this squad. Yeah, especially because they don't have guys like uh, Dale Stein. So he's also required to bowl a bit more than mm-hmm. he normally does. Mm-hmm. I think so. South Africa, are they picking up some kind of a tailwind now, do you think? I really hope so, because it'll require one of those Pakistan-like comebacks for them to mm-hmm. you know, qualify for the semifinals from here. Because their first three matches, they lost. The fourth one was rained out. And they have made a good start here. So, you know, when you look at the points table, South Africa have indeed opened their account with a victory because they already had one point. But what is important is they also have reduced their net run rate, which which is struggling yeah. quite a lot. Yeah. So it is minus 0.208. So it's heading in the right direction as far as they are concerned, right? So now I think we should get on and talk about the more important part, the match tomorrow, India versus Pakistan, Kiri. Yeah, what do you want to talk about it? Start with the weather, okay? I was just looking uh-huh. at the weather for uh, Manchester, Old Trafford. Um, so I'm looking at it and I think it's a 10.30 start, right? It's a day match. According to weather.com's predictions, I think the precipitation percentage at that time is about 50%. And it stays like that, uh, 50 right. and I think probably 30 to 50% until... Let's say late afternoon or early evening. So around five o'clock, it goes up to 60%. Uh, and six o'clock, I think it's the highest, 75%. And the maximum temperature expected uh, is probably 17 or 18 degrees. And there will be south southwesterly winds of about 20 kilometers per hour. Anyway, uh, long story short, it, there is rain forecast. Whether it will rain a lot or not, we will for sure have some rain interruptions. Uh, whether we'll probably, mm-hmm. I mean, I I think we probably will not get the full 50 over quota for each teams. Hopefully there'll be a match, maybe a reduced uh, match in the end. Uh, but let's hope it's not a washout. I'm also a bit worried about that because, well, I mean, my personal gut feeling says it's going to be a washout. So it's going to be a one team playing just 20 overs or 17, 18 overs and then no more of the match. This is my feeling because even if you don't have a 20 hours completed of the first innings, there's no chance of the second team even batting, right? There's no chance of setting a target or something. So, And yeah. you require at least 20 hours to be completed in each innings for a proper result. Yeah. So and, this is my real fear. But I mean, did you did you pay any attention to the build-up on both sides of the border, Giri? There have been some funny advertisements, right? <laughs> right, right. On either side. Uh, but apart from that, people are trying to calm each other down. I saw some articles where uh, Wasim Akram is trying to tell everybody that it's not really, uh, you know, it's it's not a war or something. It's just a game. Whatever happens, take it, you know, lightly take it sportingly and all that. Uh, people on either side of the border are trying, I think, trying to calm people down in the end. Hmm. But apart from that, I think players-wise, I think uh, Shikhar Dhawan will probably miss out for India. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I think KL Rahul will uh, open for India and uh, we probably will have either Vijay Shankar or Dinesh Karthik right. uh, playing at number four position. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I think they will probably stay with the same bowling lineup, uh, India. Uh, they will probably not change that. Uh, Pakistan, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if anybody is injured there um, or if Shadab Khan will uh, come back to the squad. And if he does yes. come back, he's going to not play in the bowling lineup. Probably Shahin Shah Afridi, I think, because he didn't have a yes. good game last time. Indeed. Or with uh, Pakistan surprise India with the with the X factor of Mohammad Hasnain, will they include him? Could be, could be. That's a that's a really good point actually, because um, you could be right there that you know he may have been saved for the latter half, just like how India is saving Shami. So that's the other thing I'm really looking at. There are all these battles between battles. Right, Mohammad mm-hmm. uh, Amir versus Kohli or Bahabriyas versus the rest of the Indian top order and so on and so on. But 
there may be some red herrings there somebody like mohammad hasnain coming in or shami coming in for india right who you missing out on maybe shami coming in right these things must yet happen so i have a feeling india will probably not play two spinners they'll play only one spinner so kuldeep yadav may miss out and shami may come in into the 11 and for pakistan uh, you might be right that they have three left arm pacers and hasan ali is also not really firing on all cylinders so one of either shahin shah or hasan ali may miss out and i think shadab khan will come back into the 11 for me what i feel is this the top order of both the teams look uh, competent and india having lost shikhar dhawan will probably be a, you know not very happy there and pakistan will be really happy but um, it will be how the middle orders pan out if this were to go into a 40 overs or more sort of a context how the boring middle overs are handled that section will actually dictate how the match will go but i would say uh, based on form and based on recent uh, you know matches india start as favorites but uh, you know yeah. it's an india pakistan contest nothing can be said i think and uh, we i think shoaib malik has a good record against india he's always right. played well against india and he's due a big score i think if pakistan middle order uh, is uh, summoned mm-hmm. to make a contribution he will probably uh, hold his hand up and then say i'm going to do it this time so that's going to be interesting uh, hasan ali has done well against india in the, at least in the champions trophy that they played mm-hmm. a couple of years ago so he did well then but he was a newcomer back then so india didn't know how to play him they didn't have any enough video evidence i think of, of him playing mm-hmm. and uh, another point if there is swing in the air bhuvneshwar kumar is a natural choice he should stay in the team uh, if right. there is swing in the air uh, if there is seam movement shami is a natural choice again right but uh, looking at the temperatures it's in the mid teens right it's relatively cold and when mm-hmm. it's I, i heard from kevin peterson uh, on that panelist show he said if the temperature is really cold even if there is moisture in the air and if, if uh, even if there is humidity or if it's overhead conditions you know overcast conditions mm-hmm. uh, the ball won't swing right. if it's cooler it won't swing it needs to be closer to 20 degrees or something and there needs to be moisture in the air overcast conditions then it'll swing uh-huh. so we have to see how it's going to pan out because the match uh, i think pakistan played last time round where they dropped those catches right uh, mm-hmm. against australia that match it was really cold it was very chilly in the morning uh, uh-huh. i think it was less than 10 or close to 10 degrees and that's why uh, guys like mohammad amir or uh, shahin shafridi or hasan ali were not able to swing the ball in the air that was one mm-hmm. of the things uh, that contributed if there is swing in the air it's going to be a different ball game altogether i have to say right all in all a really cracker of a contest hoping yeah. weather stays away right yeah 2 and, billion uh, people are counting on the weather wow. i guess <laughs> well and if you know if prayers really work this could be a good chance to find out right yeah prayers yeah. that the rain stay away and so on if, so, if it's a washout what do you think Uh, what do you think who will who will benefit from this if it's a washout do you think i think um, i think pakistan will not want a washout because okay. um, they have already had one washout india have also had one washout but pakistan have lost more matches right if you were to look at uh, the standing right now right india have not lost a single match and well they are placed fourth three matches two wins and five points whereas pakistan are placed eighth four matches one win two losses and just three points so okay. pakistan will be hoping for a full game and uh, will be trying to secure full two points whereas mm-hmm. if it were to be a washout which i think will disappoint or break the hearts of 2 billion people it will still be okay as far as india is concerned however you know no matter how the rest of the tournament pans out yeah. the fans on both the sides will always hold this and say you know you never beat us no matter which side does well in yeah, the yeah 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 this right. is a marquee match this is a marquee match this is the highlight of the tournament forget about finals i think this is what <laughs> we are all looking out for you know every four years i think uh, either side of the border people will agree to me right right i think you have a good point there yeah. all right let's hope uh, the best team wins tomorrow let's do so yeah going on if you were to look at some of the news off the field in the world cup well uh, it looks like michael holding who was a bit critical of the umpiring in the australia versus west indies match which wherein you know uh, both ruchira palli guruge and uh, i think chris gaffney both had a sort of shocker he yeah. went he went and lambasted them on air and i think he he's been 
cautioned i think that's also the wrong word he's been uh, let's say admonished. <laughs> admonished that's the right word by the icc the icc people who deal with uh, sponsorship and other things right and he's written back uh, saying equally stern things saying yeah, i will not listen to you guys i'll say what i think is right because at the end of the day the bowling was not really good so you know especially when india when there are matches in india usually bcci has a very tough stands on how to talk about certain things and so on and so forth and i think there famously once was a case where ian chapel came he heard this pre tournament presentation and just walked out right mm-hmm. so sometimes i think the world body or any body that is in charge is uh, trying to be a bit too cautious and maybe that's not a good idea so i think if something did not go right it is okay to criticize them criticize even the officials in a in a very a restrained manner of course and looking at michael holding who's had 30 years of commentary experience he wouldn't have done anything but that so i think this might be one of those knee jerk reactions from the organizers of the tournament probably prompting to a bit of a kerfuffle i don't know what you say gire uh, but i think michael holding is always a straight talker he always uh, doesn't beat around the bush uh, he sees it he calls it right so yeah. he is fair i mean he is he also i think applauds when there is a good decision or when there is good cricket and he also points out things when they're not uh, you know when they're not going according to plan or when they're not going as per uh, you know a certain acceptable standard mm-hmm. so yeah uh, i think um, they should let him speak a bit more i think he adds character to the commentary i for one exactly. really love his commentary he's mm-hmm. very insightful and he's also funny in his own way the caribbean flair we, we all need that i think icc should uh, not be so stringent about having regulations about all these things i think it it commentary itself is a different uh, is is i think it's an essential part of the game now uh, mm-hmm. it uh, stay on like this i think it's very required I, i remember in the past especially when sunil gavaskar was on air i think was <laughs> i remember he was very um, you know critical of a few things when india were not doing well in the past but right. he has toned now when you hear him speak now he's toned down a lot it's mm-hmm. probably down to these uh, regulations or these guidelines that uh, the censure censorship committee has laid out for uh, the commentators uh, and i also feel sometimes that some commentators you know i mean maybe this is a little off topic but uh, i don't want to name them but some commentators are pro certain team they so they show a certain bias towards one right. of the playing team and mm-hmm. it it stands out and icc don't talk about that right i mean what are they doing about that then the commentators are supposed to be neutral Right. should be neutral as yeah, neutral so, as possible but yeah, exactly. you know you know when the teams are doing well or not doing well certain commentators do get a bit carried away and that can happen it's it's not to be taken too seriously but at the same time if an official is not performing well yeah. admonishing that can be also taken in the right spirit right and yeah. you don't want to think too much about losing sponsorship or whatever look i mean just to not to belabor the point but you know just uh, go ahead with how passionate michael holding is as a commentator and as a you know as a follower of the game i remember uh, when that fiasco happened in england where mohammad um, amir was caught bowling a no ball mm-hmm. michael holding was either on air or he was talking about it and he was one of the people that spoke very critically about what happened on the field that day and i remember the post match ceremony mm-hmm. where i think it was uh, bob willis david gower and michael holding were talking at Uh, take a break that was unscheduled because michael holding had tears in his eyes while talking about what had happened on the, wow. in that display and how it affected uh, how it was going to affect the young man's life wow mohammad amir's okay. life right he's such a uh, passionate man and uh, that that's that shows in his words right so as a result i would say it is it's it's good that these people speak so passionately about cricket on air and it, they should be not censored yeah. right absolutely absolutely i remember one other guy uh, bob willis he's also one such guy you remember that stuart broad incident when uh, ah. stuart broad nicked the ball to first slip and didn't walk <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, i've never seen him so furious on air he was absolutely livid mm-hmm. you could see that i mean he was very uh, emotional about it about right. people not walking when they have nicked it so blatantly right Mm. but anyway that's uh, yeah that's that's unfortunately uh, something for icc to think about i think they should uh, not regulate things so much they should let people be they should let them have and show their character as long as yeah. it's not really uh, being derogatory or something i think it was just critical of a performance a professional performance right so it should be okay 
in the end. All right. So the other thing we wanted to talk about is the number of injuries. It looks like South African team is struggling. You know, Lungi Ngidi is still injured, not recovered. You know, other things. And Amla was injured until a short while ago. And now it looks like Mushfiqur Rahim has a suspected injury of the arm. He was hit on the forearm by uh, Mustafizur Rahman while batting in the nets and he's taken some time off, right? So also Australia is suffering from injuries. So it looks like this is also one of the World Cups where we will see a lot of injuries and a lot of replacements. Afghanistan has already had a, a player replaced and so on. And India might very well have a player shortly replaced, right? In the other news, a bit of a bit of an interesting take uh, from somebody who's not expected to comment on cricket. The United States Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, says that the Cricket World Cup 2019 has the potential to change the world. After all, you know, he's on a four-nation tour where he'll be stopping by in India and Sri Lanka. And in his stop in India, I think he said these words. And I think he's talking about how many people will be tuned in from the subcontinent, especially, right? Two billion people for tomorrow's match and so on. So, you know, it's, it's interesting that even... Uh, you know, Google CEO like Sundar Pichai and other people are also giving their opinions on what who will play the finals and so on. So this World Cup seems to have really caught on a lot of uh, fascination of people yeah. from the United States and other places where they are not normally known to follow the game. Right. All right. Now let's look at the trivia questions. So the trivia questions from last episode was Ash Barty, who won the French Open women's tournament recently. Which BBL team or WBBL team did she represent? As usual, we have a Yogesh, our friend and supporter, writing in with the right answer. The answer is Brisbane Heat. So she played for Brisbane Heat in the 2014-2015 series of WBBL. So the trivia question from this week is, who's the only player to have played in a cricket and a football World Cup? Right. So the clue we can offer is, there is actually a football World Cup currently going on. So if you pay attention to which World Cup that is, and then... Think back a couple of years, you will understand who the player is. You can get in touch with us uh, to give the right answer to the trivia question or share your thoughts and opinions. For example, on social media at armchecktrickpod through the Facebook page or uh, write in at uh, armchecktrickpod at gmail.com. You could leave comments on whichever platform you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Podbean or Castbox or any other, right? Also, it will be really nice if you leave us a rating whenever you subscribe to our podcast and listen to our podcast on a you know daily or a weekly basis. If you leave us a rating, it will really help us. Also, when you discuss this podcast with your friends, it will give us new ideas and maybe even new listeners. So it's very good if you can do that for us. So we would like to thank all our listeners who are doing this on a you know, regular basis. Also, it looks like, you know, in our upcoming episode, we'll be talk, definitely talking about what happened or didn't happen in the India-Pakistan match and a couple of other interesting matches coming up. So, I hope you do stay tuned in and do keep listening to us. Having said all that, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from him. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.